band team. Uh, our kids can head back to be with our team and Redemption Kids this morning. And I'd like to invite the rest of you to open your copy of God's life-giving word to the book of 1 John. It's toward the back of the Bible. Uh, we'll be in chapter 5 this morning, starting in verse 6. So, uh, 1 John chapter 5, starting in verse 6. Well, uh, listen, I don't know about you, but uh, as Pastor Reddy said, I totally agree. I love, I love the new year. I love, man, every, every time the calendar uh, turns the page, uh, what happens for me is it, it kind of hits a reset, I think, for me personally, and, and also for our church. And then, uh, you know, there's just, there's new optimism, new opportunity, right, uh, to see how God is going to work uh, in us and through us. And so uh, I hope you are anticipating uh, what God wants to do in you in this new year. We, uh, we're finishing up the book of 1 John with this series we're calling New Year, New Day, all right? And he's like, what, what's up with that, all right? And so just this, this idea of a new day not being like January 1st, okay, or January 7th, um, but a new day being a new season, a new season of life, a new season of life for our church, um, and I wanted to title it this very specifically because uh, as I see what God is doing in our church, I believe we have stepped into a new day, all right? And we say, well, Tanner, what, what do you mean by that? Well, God is doing a new work in our church, right? He's, he's done a great work in our church over the past six years that we have been here in Medford. But when you look back at the last year, and, and in particular, I would say the last seven or eight months, you just see a real momentum shift in how God is bringing new people into our midst. So, uh, so for example, this past fall, if you look at those three months, those were our, we averaged a, a, a 200 people on every Sunday, those highs, low Sunday, but I mean, that's a, that's a great uptick from where we were this time a year ago, right? Um, we see new, not just new people, but new life in these new people. So we see it in, in those who have been around for a while, but in particular, some of, some of our new friends have stepped into new life in Christ for the very first time. And we love to celebrate that around here at Redemption Hill. We have not just new people, new life. We have new provision, okay? So I hope no one showed up at 75 Riverside Ave this morning because uh, most of you either have caught the news or maybe saw on Facebook uh, this week on my page, Redemption Hill's page, that God has provided a new community space. We don't even know what we're calling it. We're just calling it community space. Maybe that'll stick, who knows? But but this this little spot on the backside of uh, 75 Riverside Ave right here in Medford Square where we're gonna be able to hold meetings and office space and different gatherings all through the year, anytime we want through the week. Obviously, it's not big enough for a Sunday morning spot, but we're going to be able to do ministry out of that. And so God not only provided that space and just a great location and just what we were praying for, but also he provided the financial means for that, right? So we see all of these things. We, we see God bringing uh, new leaders taking responsibility. I, mean, I was just thinking about that this morning as Dan was up here leading. This time last year, we didn't have a worship leader that was on our staff. We had many volunteers that were doing a great job stepping forward. But to bring on Dan as our worship leader on our staff has been huge. We have new directors and connections team, venue team. Kara uh, Hernley is now our interim director of Redemption Kids, a huge step for us in terms of the ministry for our children and families here at Redemption Hill. 
And then I love these next two. Uh, these are just some that, that rose to the top of my mind, right? It's not the, all that God's doing in our church, but I've seen a new commitment to one another. I'm talking about a, a, a new concern, a new care for one another, a, a, a concern about how things are going in life. If you have a need, I'm going to help meet that need, that kind of care. I'm talking about a care that says, not just you have a physical need, but do you have a spiritual need? Is there something you're struggling with? Even, check this out, if your life is kind of on track, off track with God, uh, then I'm even willing to kind of speak into that. That takes courage, by the way. But I'm willing to speak into that and say, hey, what's going on in your life? Like, what, you, what are you thinking here? Like, how can I help you navigate this? I'm praying for you. That takes courage. But we're seeing all of that. And then finally, what I love, I think, the most is this, okay? A new culture of prayer. Anybody with me on that, huh? When we talked about that uh, at the very beginning of September, September 3rd, I hope I never forget that uh, Sunday, uh, that we wanted to see God give us more of himself as we seek him through prayer, as he even asks more, that we give more of ourselves to him, right? And so there's a, there's a, a new work going on in Redemption Church. This is a, a new day in this New Year. And uh, speaking of culture of prayer, we had a morning of prayer, and I'm really, I'm really excited about this as a pastor. I was really proud yesterday as a pastor because uh, when I woke up, it was negative one. I don't even know what the windshield was in Medford. Um, and Pastor Reddy and I had joked, we had a morning of prayer in our new community space, right? And maybe some of you didn't even catch the word because it happened so fast. Um, but, but, you know, we kind of joked, like, we know, hey, if no one else shows up, we can just, you know, Drink the coffee and eat the donuts, you know what I'm saying? We can pray for one another, you know? Like, um, but, but 31 people showed up yesterday. Come on. How about that? Get, you know, get excited. That atmosphere of life that Pastor Ruddy, hey, Jesus, I wear a lot. We can be excited about that. Amazing to see that kind of response on the coldest day. Like, hey, stay indoors. It's not safe out there. Like, the bundle up, put a scarf on, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, um, so isn't that amazing? It's awesome. And, and what I, I loved is we had some different questions on the wall that we were asking, like, what would your life look like if you were full of God? We were asking questions like, what do you want to see God do in our church in 2018? What is God calling you to do? And then we put this one, one kind of question up there and just in the form of a statement, new year, new blank. And you just kind of fill in the blank, whatever you, whatever you desire, whatever you want to see happen, whatever you're playing, praying for. And so we got responses like these. We want to see this in this new year, new joys. I like that. We want to see new surprises, new boldness, new opportunities to serve others, new mercies, new blessings. And I want to add one to that this morning. New year, new expectations. All right? New year, new expectations. And the reason I want to throw that out there today is that I believe that if we, like, if we really understand the truth of Jesus, right, that's what we're going to look at. This is what John's talking about. Whatever the Bible talks about, we try to talk about at Redemption Hill. That's how we roll. Okay, so, so we can have new expectations because of who Christ is. And so what I want to throw out there is this. Look, I can't promise you, all right, I would be a fool to promise you that this is going to be the best year of your life. This may not be the best year of your life in terms of, you know, what's happening. Okay, we live in a broken world. There are no guarantees what's going to happen in our family life, in our friendships, in our workplace, all in our city, in our world. Okay, I can't promise you that 2018 is going to be the best year of your life. But what I can tell you, and I hope this fills you with some massive hope this morning, is that this can be, and I'm praying that it is, and I am working for 
this reality to, to, to transpire, okay, is that this would be the best year of your life spiritually in Christ. There is no reason not to want that. There is no reason not to expect that. We should be seeking God and expecting that God would work in our life in such a way that he is giving us more and more of of, of himself and, and moving us in a spiritual journey where we could look back on December 31st, 2018 and say, wow, this was the best year of my life and my spiritual journey. Okay, and I just want you to pause because some of you are probably thinking like, oh, here, here goes Pastor Tanner again. He's the, he's the optimist. He's the dreamer. He's always going to say best this, greatest this, whatever. All right, listen, this is, this is not like, um, you know, New Year, and so we just like hashtag best year ever. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you see that on Instagram. You see that on Facebook. This isn't just like look out 2018, hashtag look out 2018. Hashtag this would be me. I didn't do, put this, but, you know, you don't want none 2018, you know what I'm saying? Like, just people are like, but, but in some of the, like, and I love the optimism, right? I'm an optimist. Like, but go ahead. Like, but, but what is that hope based on? Is there anything sure? Is there any evidence to establish that kind of hope that would cause us to believe that this would be the greatest year of our lives, spiritually speaking? And I think what John does for us is he says, look, when you look at what is true about Jesus, it should give you every reason to have maximum confidence, maximum expectation that God is at work in you, around you, and he wants this to be the best year of your life. So like, I can say the same thing January 1st, 2019, you know, like 2020, 2021. Like, God is, is, is always at work. He's always up to something good. He always wants to take us further. And so I, I pray that as John lays out what is really, you're going to see this word testimony over and over and over again in, the, in, the, in our passage. As he puts forth this testimony, this witness concerning Jesus, okay, I, I'm praying that it would ignite something in your heart, a deeper belief, a deeper expectation that God wants to do more in your life than you've ever known. And so that's my encouragement for us this morning. That's my prayer, okay, that you would allow the truth of Jesus to ignite new expectations in you in 2018, all right, starting right now. So let me read this passage for us. We're going to dive into who Jesus is, and we're going to talk about how we can see this worked out in our lives, okay? So you can read along with me as I read these verses for us. 1 John chapter 5, starting in verse 6. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth, For there are three that testify, the spirit and the water and the blood, and these three, they agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater, for this is the testimony of God, that he is born concerning his son. Whoever believes in the son of God has this testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. And this is the testimony 
that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. Let's pray one more time. God, we ask that these moments would not be empty moments. God, we ask that this would not be a routine, something that we do on Sundays, just an exercise that is, is, is not filled with meaning and, 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 and desire. And so, God, would you, God, would you give us a desire to hear from you today? God, we pray that, that as we look at your life-giving word, God, that you would give us life, God, that not one person would walk out of this theater today not having to, at some level, been encouraged and changed by what we learn about Jesus. So, God, we do pray that you would cause our expectations to rise in light of who he is. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen. All right, let me give you three encouragements around this idea of new expectations in light of who Jesus is, okay? So, so the first one is this. This is, this is just a, a statement that, that I think is true because of what we're seeing here in these verses. New expectations rise because of God's testimony about Jesus, all right? New expectations rise because of, the t- of God's testimony about Jesus, okay? Our expectations are built on the strength of evidence concerning Jesus, okay? That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, not, it's not like new hashtag best year ever, okay? And it's going to be amazing without there being some kind of reason to believe that. And so what Jesus, uh, Jesus is, is giving through his, his, his life, through his work on our behalf, this is why we can have reason to have these new and great expectations, and so first off, we see that the strength of this testimony is, is founded on the fact that there are multiple sources, okay, multiple, let me say, divine sources that are pointing us to, hey, everything that Jesus did and said, it is true about him. All right, so, so check this out, okay? There were moments in the life of Christ when his deity, okay, was flashing like a neon light before those who were around him. And this is what John is talking about in verses 6 and 7. He's, he's saying, look, the one I'm talking about, and if you want to know who he is, you just look back at the, at the previous verse to know, you know, who the, the pronoun is, is modifying, talking about, okay, uh, referring to rather. And, and it says, the who, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Okay, so we're talking about Jesus being the Son of God. And then, he, and then he says, this is he who came by water and blood. Now, we just have to stop right there and say, like, John, what are you talking about? This sounds a little weird. You're saying this, this one, Jesus Christ, came by water and blood. And there have been many interpretations about what this could mean throughout church history. One is this, okay, some have said, very, very notable theologians, okay, like Martin Luther and John Calvin and others have said, okay, this must be talking about, this must be pointing to the ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper, okay? In other words, like we, when, when someone steps into the life of Christ, okay, they, they show that life through being baptized, okay? And then they regularly partake of 
communion or the Lord's Supper, all right? And, and, and so, but, but it doesn't seem that this is what John is talking about because how did Jesus come by baptism and the Lord's Supper? Okay, he gave those to us as a gift, but he didn't come by those ordinances. So it must not be that. Well, then maybe it is what happened on the cross. The gospel writers tell us that when the Roman centurion took a spear and thrust it into Jesus' side, that out from his side flowed water and blood. And that's possible, but that doesn't seem most probable or plausible, okay? And, and why is that? Well, if we, we look carefully at how John is wording this, all right, he says, this is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, but then he really differentiates, right? He says, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. So, so John seems to be talking about Two separate incidents, all right? Two separate events, the water and the blood. He is speaking of, I believe, with many others, okay, that he's talking about the baptism of Jesus when he came and launched his ministry, okay? His ministry was initiated through his baptism, and then his ministry was fulfilled or accomplished when he died on the cross by shedding his blood. I think that's what John, John is talking about here. So let's dive in on those for a couple of minutes. Okay, first off, Jesus' baptism. How does Jesus' baptism point us to testify to the fact that he is the Son of God? And if listen, if you don't yet believe in Jesus here this morning, okay, and we love that every week we have those who are exploring Christianity and learning more about Jesus, okay, then just consider what these verses say about him, okay? So number one, Jesus' baptism. What happened there? Well, the Gospel of Mark tells us this in chapter one. It says, in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth, Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit, okay, the Holy Spirit of God, descending on him like a dove, And a voice came from heaven and said this, You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. In the moment of Jesus' baptism, the Spirit descends on him to empower him forever. Like Jesus was fully God, and yet he was fully man. And as a hundred percent fully man, he also needed God's Spirit, okay, to empower him for the work that he was going to accomplish as our Messiah, our deliverer. But not only does the Spirit descend on him and rest on him and empower him for the miraculous works that he was going to do, especially accomplishing our salvation, right? But it says that the Father also spoke from heaven. And he says, look, this is my son. And I'm really pleased with him. Like, this is echoing the Old Testament, okay? And the coming of Christ was the fulfillment of hundreds of years of promises from God that were saying, look, I'm gonna send, I'm gonna send a deliverer to you. I'm going to send my son to you. He's going to be the king. He's going to be, did you read Psalm 2 this week in our Bible reading plan? I hope you did. If not, you can catch up. Just a couple of chapters through Psalms, okay? Um, this, is, this is my son, and you need to side with him. You need, to, you need to give your life over to him. Isaiah 42 puts it like this. The same, the same uh, verses is quoted there. The same, same statement from God. This is my son with whom I am well pleased. Isaiah 42, pointing to the Messiah. 
And what I love about this, okay, this is so relevant, by the way, in your relationship with God, okay? Jesus did not work for God's approval. He worked from God's approval. Whoa. See, some of you didn't catch that. And that's a problem, okay? Then why is that a problem? It's a problem because some of you are still working to earn God's favor. Even if you are in Christ, you think that the more you do for God is earning you more approval from God, and that's not how grace works. Hello. That's good truth. That will change the way you wake up in the morning. It will change the way you open your Bible. It will change the way you sing these songs. If we are children of God, if Christ is in us, and what is true of him is true of us in Christ, okay, then we don't work for approval from God. We work from approval. We serve from approval. We worship from approval. Mm, That's good. Jesus came by the water, and Jesus came by the blood. And the blood is a testimony to his work on the cross. See, we are familiar with the story probably of Christianity that Jesus' life ended on a Roman cross. He was crucified, nails through his hands and feet. Death by asphyxiation, death by suffocation, hanging there on a Roman cross. Tried as a criminal, hung there as a criminal, dying for our sin. And what makes this so significant, you say, like, well, how does this point us to uh, the, the fact that Jesus is the Son of God? Well, well, even in the narrative of what happened there in the story, go back and read the Gospel of Matthew, okay, it says that even the pagan Roman centurion, okay, this, this, this person who had no belief in God whatsoever, okay, um, it says that at the end of all of the events, you know, like the sun going dark for three hours, that happened, you know, like the earth quaking greatly and the temple shaking and the ground shaking right there where Jesus uh, died, that that centurion said, truly, this is the son of God. Like people just like seeing what's going on and like God speaking through those moments. I mean, it's why we named our church Redemption Hill, right? Like Jesus died on a hill outside of Jerusalem. That's where he accomplished our redemption. And it's a good thing that he shed his blood because as John already told us in 1 John chapter 1, it's the the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin. So you have the the water, Jesus' baptism, you have the cross, Jesus' death, okay? But then you have a third witness, okay? And the third witness is the Spirit, okay? The Spirit of God who is pointing us all to the fact that everything that is said about Jesus, okay, that is recorded for us in the Bible that came through his apostles, his earliest followers and closest followers, okay? It is all true. That's the Spirit's job. The Spirit is to point us to who Jesus is and to let us know, hey, this is true. You can bank your life on this. You see, the Spirit convinces us. He convicts us. This is what John chapter 16 says. It says, and when he comes, speaking of the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. In other words, like, We all need to be convinced, like, hey, we're in the wrong before God. It's tough to admit that you're wrong, right? And many people don't want to act like they have 
have ever offended God, all right? And so he needs to convince us of that. That's a work of God's Spirit concerning righteousness because Jesus isn't there anymore. It seems to be saying that we need to know how to live. We need to know how to walk with God on the daily. And, and then also judgment, that there is a judgment that's coming for every person. So the Spirit is pointing us to all of these things. And, and then he goes on to say in, in verse 13, and when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So, so, so check this out, okay? Um, every person moves from, mm, that's probably not true. How could that be true? How could this man really be God? How could he live a perfect life? How could his death mean anything for me? Surely he didn't rise again. They're saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's got to be true. It makes sense of my, the world that I live in. It makes sense of my life. It answers all of the longings of my heart. This is, this is true. I need this truth to have life in me. This is what the Spirit of God does. And so these three witnesses of the, the baptism of Jesus and the death of Jesus and the Spirit pointing us to the veracity of his baptism and of his death, okay, are three witnesses that strengthen the testimony about Christ, which raises our expectation that who he is is all of what it was said about him is, is true, okay? And then he goes on in, in verse 7 and 8, and he says this. Look at those with me. He says, for these are three that testify, the spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. So, so, so they're all saying the same thing, right? It's like, you know, if we, we, someone's on trial and there's only one witness, like there, there's, there's some, 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 you know, uh, benefit of that, but it's all the more beneficial, right, if the you know, prosecution has not just one witness, but two witnesses or three witnesses, and it's even more beneficial if all three of those witnesses are saying the exact same thing. That's what's going on here, right? The Old Testament stipulated that every charge must be confirmed by two or three witnesses, So all three of these together are announcing that Jesus is the Messiah. We can have new expectations. These new expectations can rise because of God's testimony about Jesus. But then number two, listen, new expectations can rise because of not just God's testimony about Jesus, okay, but because of God's testimony about Jesus in you, all right? And that's what verse 10 is is talking about. Let's, let's look at this verse again. John goes on to say this, whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. All right, let me read that again. Whoever believes in the Son of God, okay, so that's, a, that's a kind of like a black and white issue, right? Like you either believe that Jesus is the Son of God or you don't, okay? And, and by the way, that can change today. Uh, if you're not there yet, it can change right now. Um, but it says that if, if you do believe, you have this testimony in you. And so, so let's just drill down here. Um, what's going on here, I believe, is super clear from what John has already written in his letter, okay, and as well as the rest of the Bible, okay, John is talking about the internal witness, the internal testimony of the Holy Spirit. We've just been talking about the Spirit is testifying that Jesus' baptism is legit, that Jesus' death is legit, that he was 
really God and, and really died and really rose again. All of this is true about Jesus. But, but it's not just the testimony about Jesus, but it's the testimony within us that is screaming, hey, all of this is true. One of my greatest passions this year, okay? Just be, be ready for this. Sorry, I hope you're excited, okay? I feel like one of my greatest jobs, one of the greatest priorities that I'm going to have this year, particularly on Sunday mornings when I'm teaching the Bible, okay, is I want to help us understand more and more and more about the Holy Spirit. So some people talk about the Holy Spirit uh, as the forgotten God. You know what I'm saying? Like, we talk a lot about God the Father, we talk a lot about God the Son, and then, like, God the Holy Spirit, oh yeah, He's God too. He deserves our worship, He deserves our affection, He deserves our attention. By the way, without the Holy Spirit, we don't have life. By the way, without the Holy Spirit, there's nothing that we can do of spiritual good. And so I just feel like, not only do I want us to have a much, much, much better understanding of the Holy Spirit, but check this out. I want us to have a much, much, much deeper experience of the Holy Spirit on a day-to-day basis. All right? I hope you're ready for that. I'm praying for it. I'm ready for it. I'm going to be talking about it. I'm going to be teaching about it. I'm going to be preaching about it. I'm going to be encouraging you about it. I'm going to be sending you a Facebook message about it. I'm going to send you a text message about this. All right? Get ready. If I don't have your number, fill out the connect card this morning, all right? That's how we're rolling today. All right, thank you. So, God, let me, let me back up in my excitement and kind of do what I said I wanted to do, all right? Um, so, so, so how does this happen? How do we have, because you may be saying right now, like, Tanner, that would be really nice if there was this voice inside of me, this person, by the way, inside of me that is saying, hey, all of this is true, But you and I both know that there are moments that you doubt that. There are moments that you really, really, really believe that. And there are moments like, God, what are you up to? I don't even see you at work in my life at all. Let's be real this morning. And so we need the internal witness of the Spirit. And so how this works is is like this, okay? When someone believes that Jesus is the Son of God, okay, the Bible says that that happens because the Spirit of God has enlightened our eyes to see, the spiritual eyes of our heart, okay? And we are made new by His Holy Spirit, okay? And when that happens, God gives us His Spirit as a gift. Could you ever receive a greater gift? then why don't you pay attention to that gift? Hmm. More, right? Let's, let's, all, let's all focus in on the greatest gift we've ever received more and more. And that, that, that's for me too. That's for me too. This is, this is what Jesus said in John 14. By the way, you... If you're paying attention, you call on like John 16, John 14. If you want to know the Spirit of God, go read John 14 through 16. All right? That'll really give you a head start. But, but this is what he says in John 14, in verses 16 and 17. He says this, And I will ask the Father, okay, God the Father, and he will give you another ha- helper. Okay, that's capital H. That's referring to God, God the helper, uh, to be with you f- forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But check this out. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be 
in you. We learn so much about the Holy Spirit, even from these words of Christ, okay? Like the Spirit is a person, all right? He, it's he, not it. Like don't refer to the Spirit as it because he is not an it. He is a he. He is a person, all right? And because the Spirit is a person, I hope you're ready for this, okay? This is getting me hype. I hope I don't jump on the The Spirit is personal. It says, you know him. There is a real relationship with God, God's Spirit in us, okay? It's not like we know about him, like we've heard these things about him, like we, we might recognize him if he shows up. No, like he is in us. We, we, can, we can know God in us. We can, we can hear God's voice in us. God is, and the Spirit is always guiding us into the truth. How do we know the truth? It's the Word, right? The, the Word and the Spirit always go together. This book is a Spirit-inspired book. And so the Spirit is going to lead us into the truth. The Spirit is going to lead us day by day. The Spirit is going to empower us to live for God every day, every moment of every day. And so let me just say this, okay? The, this, is, this is more... All right, I love this. This is more than like, Jesus is true. I can feel it in my bones. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We're not talking about like this, oh, I hope it's true. And so I feel, I feel it. And like, no, it's something deeper than that. There's something more foundational there. Because God is real and because God is in us. And if God is in us, he's going to give us the assurance that Jesus is real. And so let me just tell you how the Bible puts it. I mean, I I took Romans 5 out of my notes, but I'm just going to put it back in because I said I'm so pumped up to talk to you about the Holy Spirit. All right, so I'm just going to, like, when you suffer, Paul's talking about suffering in Romans 5. You're probably going to suffer some in some way, shape, or form this year. I, I hope it's not severe, but we, we are going to experience some tough times for sure, probably. And so, and so he says, look, this, this suffering, we can rejoice in our suffering. Consider that. Whatever you're going through, consider that. He says, he says uh, we rejoice in, in, in uh, our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Now, why, Paul? Like, well, what's he? Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom He has given us. So, so, so listen. We have assurance. It's like the idea of hope. Hopefully I didn't read that too fast and you missed like the hope part. Okay, like We have a hope, okay, that all of this is true and all of our hopes and dreams are going to be fulfilled because Jesus is who he says. Like, and this, this happens because God is pouring his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, assuring us that it's true. Romans 8, 16 goes on to say, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And this sounds a lot like what John has already told us in 1 John chapter 3 when he says, and by this we know that he abides in us, speaking of God living in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. 
See, if the Spirit of God is in you, then your, like, your expectation should be rising because all of this is true. Because God is alive, because he is alive in me, because he is changing me into a different person than I was in 2017. And so he's going to give us this assurance, this confidence as we live our lives for him. I mean, I would just say, look, like if, you, if you're missing that, 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 that assurance that you truly belong to God, even though you say, like, Jesus is my Lord and I follow him and I believe in him, let me just say, like, keep walking with God. Keep taking the next step. Keep finding time to get in the Bible, to pray, to do this thing in, in community where you're encouraged, okay? And I, and I can uh, assure you, all right, that as you do that, okay, that, 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 that God is going to continue to give more and more of himself and his assurance to you, okay? It's not like, it's not something that we can just conjure up, okay? It's not something that we can control, okay? But God is a gift. He loves to give his children assurance. Hey, yes, I belong to God. New expectations rise because of God's testimony about Jesus, because of God's testimony in us. And then finally, listen to this. This is the encouragement piece, okay? Experience new expectations because of the life of Christ in you. All right? John is super clear here in verses 10 through 12, okay? We, we are either in one camp or the other, okay? We are either believing in Jesus and we have life or we are not believing in Jesus and we are missing life. And so I would just ask you this morning, what, what is your testimony concerning Jesus? Is he the son of God? And if you say yes to that, like, is he everything to you? Is he your life? Is he the one that, that you are living for? Those who are saying, like, Jesus is Lord. He is the Son of God. I believe this testimony about the birth and life and death and resurrection of Jesus. I have new life in him. Hopefully that's what your heart is screaming this morning. But surely there are some, and, and we and we, we, we certainly care about our friends who are not saying that yet, right? They're, they're not saying these things about Jesus. And I just wanted to think for a moment about this idea that rejection of Jesus takes varied forms, right? Like it takes varied forms. Like, it's not that everyone is saying, I hate God, although some people are saying that. Even some people are saying, I hate the God I don't believe it exists, you know? It's kind of backwards, but whatever. But, but, you know, some, some people reject God because they had a bad experience with people. And that should break our hearts. And we should listen to their experiences. And we should patiently walk with them. Some people reject God because they believe they have a better God to believe in. Some people reject God because of apathy or indifference. Some people reject God because they're too busy chasing all of these other pursuits and priorities in their lives. Rejection is still rejection any way you slice it. And this, this rejection, okay, carries severe consequences that these people are not going to experience the eternal life that God made them for. And that's why we share. That's why we love people. That's why we love our neighbor. That's why we serve our neighbors. That's why we, we tell our neighbors about Christ so that they can experience this life for themselves. But then... What John does say in a much more encouraging 
note, okay, is that those who have the Son, they do have life. And, and, and would you just, like, you guys with me? You guys feeling us? That's what we pray for, like, well, this, is, this is real. If this is real, then it's like to be, wow, thank you, Jesus. Okay, look at this. Whoever has the Son has life. That's verse 12. Let's back up to 11. That's what I want you to see. This is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. All right, so do, do the math, right? For, for so long, I think early on in my walk with Jesus, I thought that, like, eternal life began, will, will begin, rather, the moment I die. Anybody seen like that this morning? Eternal life, like, what must start when I die? But that's not what John's saying. This is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and whoever has the Son has this life. This, is, this life is in His Son. So if you have the Son, then you have this life. Eternal life begins right now. Eternal life with God, the eternal life of God that he has gifted to each one of us, it is in us right now. And so what this means, okay, yeah, to, to be fully experienced, right, uh, when we leave this earth and we are in his presence, but he has already made us alive. He is working to change us, don't miss it, change us day by day by day by day. And so what I want us to think about this year, all right, I'm going to try to wrap this thing up, right? I want us to, to really consider and more, and more deeply believe that because God is an infinite God and because his life is not a temporary life gift, but it is an eternal life gift, okay, that, that our lives are an infinite journey, okay, into more and more and more and more and more of God, if God is infinite, how could you ever have all of him? I mean, I mean let, me, let me restate that, okay? Um, if, if God is infinite, if he's infinite in his love, infinite in his holiness, infinite in his mercy, infinite in his gifts, okay, how could you ever reach the end of that journey? That's a better way to put it. Do you, do you hear that? There's always more with God. There's always more to experience. There's always more to delight in. There's always more joy, always more peace, always more hope. And so I'm just saying, like, if this is true, and this is the gift that he has thrown out at us, like, this is nothing to yawn about, okay? This is something to wake up every day and be excited because this is true. So where we're going this year, let me, just, let me just wrap up like this, okay? Wow, I love the first Sunday of the year. It's just, mm. this, is a little, this is a little vision preview for where we're going. January 21st is Vision Sunday at Redemption Hill, okay? And we're going to have a special service at Medford High School, 489 Winthrop Street, okay? Uh, don't, don't miss that. Right, we're going to be in a special location for that Sunday because there's a show going on in here. Um, but it's going to be awesome uh, over there. And, and so we're going to lock in on this idea, this, this chief priority. Like, in other words, why do we even have a vision for a year? Like, why is the vision changing all the time? No, okay, a, we have a mission as a church. But there's one idea that we're saying, like, if God, if you do one thing in our church this year, we want this to be it. So the, the vision for 2018 is this, the fullness of God in us, overflowing through us. 
the fullness of God in us, overflowing through us. And so just in light of this, like if you have the Son, you have eternal life in you. Let me, just, let me just get us going for this year to say, why not expect more of the fullness of God? Why not seek after more of the fullness of God through God's word, through prayer, through worshiping together? Why not expect that that fullness is going to overflow out of you so that not only your life is being changed, but the lives of those around you because they see God in you, because they're experiencing God in you. And they're going to maybe hopefully want more of God for themselves. If they have the Spirit of God, surely that's going to happen. But even those that don't yet believe, they're going to say, man, this is, this is amazing that God really changes people like that. The fullness of God in us, overflowing through us. This is our prayer for this year. And so just as we wrap up and Dan and the team come out to lead us in a couple of more songs this morning, I just want to say this. Listen, if, if all of this is true about Jesus and there is, there is eternal, infinite life found in him, then, then are you like, are you ready to say, God, give me new expectations? God, increase my expectations of how you want to work in me and how you want to work through me. Is there any limit? Is there any limit? I would say the only limit is our faith. It's like just believing that, just believing and seeking after more of God in us, more of his work in us, more of his work through us. And so can I encourage you this morning as I lead us in prayer, just to pray a simple prayer. God, would you cause my expectations to rise because of all that is true about your son? Simple prayer. Can I, can I just lead us in that? And you just, would, if you, if you, if God's leading you to pray that, would you just pray that right now? Like, God, cause my expectations. God, give me new expectations this year because of everything that is true about Jesus Christ, my Savior, my Lord, my King, my life. God, would you do that? God, would you do that this year? God, would you ignite new expectations in us to hope and to believe and to, to expect that you're going to do things that we have Whenever anticipated that, 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 that you can use us in ways that we would have never dreamed. God, we don't want to just talk about a new day. God, we want to experience a new day in Christ. And so, God, it's our prayer that by the end of 2018, this church is different, that this city is different, and that when people look at us, they're not saying, wow, look at these people. So now they're saying, wow, what an amazing God who is alive and who is alive in them. So God, would you ignite our hearts, Lord, to worship you every single day, to seek more of you every single day. All for your name, all for your glory. We pray through Christ, amen. Listen, we're gonna sing a couple of songs about who Jesus is. He who has the Son has life, and so let's sing about how we possess Christ, that he is everything to us as we continue worshiping today. Please stand with us.